Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm excited to be here with you this week for this week's episode of the Sports Gospel Podcast. Now available on Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public, and Google Podcasts. So if you're looking for us out there, took my sweet time getting all those things uploaded. But that's my Christmas present to myself, getting the distribution going here. And after about a year of doing this, we should probably be on that level. I'm also reminded of why we took the holiday season off last year when we recorded this uh, our old version of the show that we started with. Very hard to find people between Thanksgiving and Christmas and get all of our schedules to line up. The last two weeks, I have been fighting a vicious cold that I did a number on my vocal cords, and hopefully I sound a little bit less nasally and congested and coffee this week. But just me here with you, and that means I get to talk about whatever I want to. We usually like to cater the episodes to, depending on who the co-host is that week, some of the topics they like more. But it's just me, so I get to talk about whatever I want to, which means we are going to start off with the bull. Uh, bowl games that we have coming up here for college football. We're going to talk a little bit about the NFL, see if we actually make it to the Sunday's games. The NHL, another league hard hit by COVID here. They're going to take a little bit of break, but I think that gives us a bit of a natural starting point to look at how things are going in the NHL, the winners, losers, teams that are getting hot. NHL and NBA for me are both, okay, now that we're getting to Christmas, these are these are the serious times for these leagues. First month or two, you're feeling each other out, a lot of new faces and new places and new coaches. Now now that we get to the Christmas time, NHL and NBA picks up. So we'll start to do a little bit more NBA. Probably starting next week in the next couple weeks, I have plans to do college basketball, college wrestling, a little bit more UFC. UFC has a couple weeks off here, which I didn't think to talk about it on last week's show, but my brother made a good chunk of change had you listened to me and picked Derek Lewis, who was an inexplicable underdog on the UFC fight night. But since we don't have that, I'm going to help you win some money on the college bowl games. And by helping you win money, I mean you may win money, and I may be right, and I may be not. And we are going to start here. I thought I was going to be talking about the Honolulu uh, Hawaii Bowl between Memphis and Hawaii, which feels like an unfair advantage for Hawaii, but a tremendous trip if you're the Memphis team. But that game has been canceled due to COVID, and I don't think that'll be the last situation of this. I think they will do whatever they can to make sure those playoff Final Four happen. But do not be shocked if more of these games start falling by the wayside here. As, as teams drop out, we already had it happen with, I believe it was the Texas A&M game. Now we're going to get Texas A&M, uh, Texas A&M out, so Rutgers stepping in there, which an uh, interesting matchup for them. But we're going to look at the games between this week's and next week's episode. We're going to look at historical trends and how these teams have done in their bowl history. If you think back to the Liberty versus Eastern Michigan game, my rationale for that one, Eastern Michigan is 1-3 in, in bowl games. And has not won a bowl game since 1987. So that's why I put all my confidence points on Liberty. We're going to kind of take that same approach here and looking at the matchups we have. Starting on Christmas Day, if you find yourself in the middle of family festivities, you've opened all the presents, you want to sit down and watch the Camellia Bowl on ESPN. You've got Ball State at Georgia State. Two of the maybe not premier teams in college football, but a, a fresh matchup. That's one thing about the bowl season. You get a lot of random games you've never, ever seen before. Six and six Ball State, seven and five Georgia State. Georgia State fairly new to Division One, so not a lot of history on them. But my point here, Ball State is one and seven in their all-time bowl game history. So that's enough rationale for me. Give me Camille, uh, Georgia State to win the Camellia Bowl on Christmas Day over Ball State. Moving on to Monday, the 27th, we have a doubleheader here. Western Michigan and Nevada playing in the Quick Lanes Bowl in Detroit, another basically home field advantage for Western Michigan. However, much like their brethren on the east side of the state, Western Michigan is 1-9 all-time in bowl games. 
Nevada, another one of those teams who kind of seems to make bowl games all the time, had a great year at 8-4. and four. I feel like they were really, earlier in the year, they were predicted to do very poorly, and I never understand why people are down on Nevada. But just going off bowl history, Western Michigan at 1-9 and nine all time. Give me the Wolfpack to take home the Quick Lane Trophy. And also that day, ECU versus Boston College. Uh, the ECU, the Pirates there. Uh, playing seven and five, playing the six and six Boston College Eagles in the Military Bowl in Annapolis. The last win Eastern Carolina had in a bowl game was in 2013, and Boston College last won in 2016. So two teams looking to break dry spells here. I think Boston College is head and shoulders the better team. I thought ECU is middle of the pack in a small conference. Boston College was a little bit up and down. I think kind of limped to the finish in in an ACC. We're, we're in the thick of things in a decent ACC. I don't think the ACC was as terrible as everybody thought this year. So give me Boston College, actually, probably pretty convincingly in this one. I think they'll roll over ECU in the military bowl. Going up to the 28th, the 28th is really the big slate of games we have. That first Saturday had a lot of games. But you look here, Tuesday, the 28th, we have one, two, three, four, five games. You can have a whole, starting at noon until bedtime, you can have just college football bowl games. First one we have, the Birmingham Bowl. Houston at Auburn. Kind of feels like a snub for Houston here. They went 11-2, and a sneaky good year for them. Everybody was kind of obsessed with Cincinnati, so you forgot about how good some of the other teams in the American were doing. I think Houston is going to roll Auburn. I love Brian Harson, the coach there, but you lost Bo Nix to the transfer portal. I think Auburn's just kind of mentally checked out at this point in time. They've got their guys who are going to go to the NFL draft. Houston, a lot on the line, proving that they're 11-2, and that they can hang with these guys. I think Houston's going to roll past Auburn in this one, a 6-6 six and six Auburn team versus 11-2 and two Houston team. However, if you want a reason to believe in Auburn, Houston has lost their last four bowl games. Most of those were under Major Applewhite as the coach. Dana Holgerson 0-1 in his first bowl game with them. So Coach Holgerson looking to go 500 in his first two bowl games with Houston. The next game on the docket that day, your first responder bowl between Louisville and Air Force in University Park, Texas. And this, I just think this is really fun. I have no great nugget of information on this one. This is just the absurd random matchups that I live for. Louisville and Air Force have never met in a bowl game. I don't know how many times they've met in ever, but never played in a bowl game before. Louisville, I just, I don't know what's special about them. I think Air Force, a quietly good 9-3 and team. Nobody ever talks about Air Force, and they were very, very good this year out in the Mountain West. Give me Air Force to take this one in the first responder bowl. The Holiday Bowl in San Diego, one of my favorites because it's just simple. The Holiday Bowl. It doesn't need a contrived corporate name at the front of it. UCLA and NC State, two fantastic teams, two teams that I loved this year. This was a really hard one for me to pick. I've been tooting my horn about the greatness of Chip Kelly all year and how he's underrated and people need to appreciate him more. Uh, the first bowl game since 2017 for UCLA, so you see how bare the cupboard was before Chip got there and kind of how things had dried up in the last couple of years. As much as I love UCLA, I have to go NC State on this one. The Wolfpack took down Clemson early in the year, and I, for me, they're still hanging their hat on that one, but they were in contention all the way down to the finish line in the ACC. The Wolfpack, a very underrated, underappreciated team. Dave Doran, fantastic work that he's done there. As much as I love me some Chip Kelly in UCLA, I gotta go NC State. That one actually on Fox on the night of the 28th, so a good change of pace for those of us who don't get ESPN on a regular basis. That night, the Liberty Bowl in Memphis, Texas Tech and Mississippi State, the Mike Leach Bowl. 
the school that made him famous versus the school that he's at now. Early in the year, I thought Mississippi State was going to be a garbage team and go about 3-9, and nine, and then he sneakily got them into bowl contention and a pretty decent 7-5 and five playing in that loaded SEC West. Texas Tech's last bowl win was in 2013. So another team with a big dry spell here. I believe Mike Leach would have been the coach at that time. I need to double-check my timeline here to see if he was there or if he was up at Wazoo yet. But give me Mike Leach in this one. A fun matchup here. I love when they match teams up like this and get these storylines. Give me Mississippi State to take home the Liberty Bowl. Something else that I neglected to talk about, we have it coming up here a little bit more. It happened at Nevada, and it happened at Texas Tech. These coaching changes, I think that's another thing you're going to have to look at. We've got it coming up more often here in some some of these higher-profile bowls. All the coaching changes, the, the new faces on the sidelines, whether it's a Bob Stoops one time or you have a new coach or new coordinators or a temporary fill-in coach. A lot of different variations on the sidelines for these teams, I think, could have a huge impact. Uh, Going up December 28th, the last game that night, Minnesota at West Virginia. I feel like West Virginia is not a good 6-6. I feel like they feasted on some of the lesser of the Big 12. I think Minnesota is a far better team, even though they're down to their umpteenth string running back, all the injuries that they've made it through this year. They took down Wisconsin. They were in the race for that Big Ten West title basically up until the last two weeks. So give me Minnesota. I think they will probably take West Virginia out back to the woodshed and in the guaranteed rate bowl out in Phoenix on the night of the 28th. Give me the Golden Gophers in that one. And the 29th, the Fenway Bowl in Boston. I, you, you get the name, not the most inspiring, but it's fun. Connects to the local city. Virginia and SMU. Both of these teams lost their coaches. Bronco Mendenhall with Virginia basically stepping into a temporary retirement. Sonny Dykes from SMU leaving. So we talk about the coaching. How are these teams going to react losing their coaches? It's in a unique opportunity when both teams are looking at new coaches on the sidelines. You have Virginia, who's 8-13 and all-time in bowl games, so that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. But you have SMU, whose last win came in 2016, so looking to break a five-year drought. Just on paper, I think SMU is simply the better team. They were in that hunt, one of those teams who thought maybe they can sneak up, they can bite Cincinnati and knock off the perfect year. So SMU is the real deal. And Virginia 6-6, six and six, yeah, they made a bowl game, but give me the Mustangs to win the Fenway Bowl. And just down the road in New York, the Pinstripe Bowl. Both of these teams connecting to the baseball, or both these bowl games connecting to their city's baseball heritage. Virginia Tech and Maryland in the This Is The Reason I Hate Bowl Games Bowls. Virginia Tech also lost their coach when they fired Justin Fuente after the end of the regular season. Virginia Tech hasn't won a bowl game since 2016. Maryland hasn't won one since 2010. Why do we care about these games? This this is the consummate reason that we do not need so many bowl games. Plus, if you're going to have all these bowl games, this should be where an Air Force or a Houston or Army, San Diego State, UTSA. Let some of these smaller conference schools get to play bigger teams. If you have to have Maryland in there, you know, let them let the smaller schools show they can hang. Either way, moral of the story, let's cut back on bowl games. Anyway, I I don't care. Virginia Tech, I if I have to skip a bowl game, this is the one I'm for sure skipping so far. Jumping ahead your middle afternoon game there, early evening game, Clemson at Iowa State. Talk about teams that lost a lot. Clemson lost both of their coordinators to head coaching jobs. Iowa State lost Brees Hall, the best running back in the country, probably the first running back taken in the draft next spring. 
Iowa State is littered with veteran talent, guys who've been there four or five or more years at this point, it feels like. Clemson's kind of in the middle of their rebuild. They're always going to have talent. They're going to churn out NFL players. Uh, Justin Ross, probably the most high profile of this bunch. And DJU, the young quarterback, still learning. They were very bad beginning of the year. We all remember back ugh, after that Georgia game and NC State beat them. What shape was Clemson going to be in? They hung back. They're 9-3. and three. That's right. We thought Iowa State was going to be. Both these schools feel like this should be in the New Year 6 after all the hype that was around them at the beginning of the year. As much as it pains me to pick against Iowa State in this one, if there's no Brees Hall, I don't see a chance for Iowa State. He was the lifeblood of this team this year. I don't think the rest of the offense can hang with Clemson without him. It does hurt Clemson not to have both those coordinators on the sidelines, but you still have Dabo Sweeney. You've got DJU. You've got the system and the structure, everything there for Clemson. As much as it pains me to do it, I have to take Clemson to win the Cheez-It Bowl. Again, can't we get a better name? And in the final game on the 29th in the who cares, do either of these teams want to be there? It is Oklahoma versus Oregon. I think we talked about this on uh, the show two weeks ago. Mario Cristobal is now in Miami. Lincoln Riley is now in Los Angeles. A lot of the players have opted out, most notably Kayvon Thibodeau. I, is this, you have a lot of guys who this is going to be their last game, so you always have that aspect of the seniors, the guys going to the NFL, playing for pride, playing for their school. But as, as a whole program every player every coach this just kind of feels like eh, too marquee you know for sure Oregon's a blue blood Oregon's on the cusp of a blue blood I think I am gonna go Oklahoma I just feel like they have flat out more talent in this one whether or not there's a lot of fire on either side it's gonna be the Sooners to take home the Alamo Bowl trophy and then the last uh three here December 30th You've got the Carolinas playing each other in the 6-6 six and six border battle. It's the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. Also kind of a meh-who-cares bowl. But I've been talking about the greatness of Sam Howell and how I think he'll be a great NFL quarterback. So it could be North Carolina in this one. The Music City Bowl in Nashville, Tennessee. A big home field advantage for Tennessee in this one. Playing the Purdue Boilermakers. I love this Purdue team. George Karloftis on the defensive side of the ball. I do believe he's playing. He's going to be a top 10 NFL draft pick. And the... Purdue's very underrated. They're on the upswing. Remember them kind of being the giant killer in the Big Ten this year. Give me the Boilermakers in this one. I think Tennessee's kind of a sneaky good bowl team. They've played in a million of them over the years and kind of always seem to be prepared for for bowl season. But give me Purdue in this one. I love the Boilermakers and where they're headed. And we talked about it again two weeks ago. Wisconsin and Arizona State. Such a strange, strange mishmash of schools. I think you kind of have the Wild West of Arizona State versus the consummate professional, slow and steady, wins the race Wisconsin mentality. Wisconsin kind of ended the year. They went from almost being in the Big Ten title game to getting whooped by Minnesota and now falling down here to the Las Vegas Bowl without even a shot at the conference crown. This may be a little wind out of their sails for the Badgers, but I I cannot buy into Arizona State. I've been doubting Arizona State for so long that I cannot turn back now. So there's kind of your quick synopsis of your bowl games this week if you want some some insight on who to pick or who to stay away from or which games just in general to stay away from. Uh, we'll get the other guys in here next week. Fingers crossed I can get Shannon and Kevin back on board and they can talk about the New Year's games. That's when we're really going to get into the heavy hitters, the New Year's six games, plus kind of those top-end bowl games, some really fun matchups, and see how we see the, the big games playing out. Uh, looking ahead here to the NFL slate of games, if we actually get them, this just feels... The way everything's going in the world right now feels very, very questionable huh? what the rest of the NFL regular season is going to look like. 
Uh, quick side note, can we stop tearing down Jimmy G? Celebrating or tearing down Jimmy G, I don't know if any player in recent history has gotten this the way Jimmy Garoppolo does, and this is one thing I hate about Sports Talk Radio. So that's why I'm going to do just a quick second on it. Jimmy Garoppolo is either the franchise quarterback for the Niners or the worst quarterback who's ever played the game, depending on how they do. And on the heels of them losing to a very, very good Titan team, everybody wants to blame everything solely on Jimmy Garoppolo. So I don't know. I went from being a big Jimmy Garoppolo detractor to just being sick of everybody detracting, so now I'm suddenly a defender of him. So can we can we stop? Can we let the man finish out a season everybody wants to completely toss him you know, shark bait at this point in time? Jimmy Garoppolo is not as bad as you want him to be is the moral of the story. All right, Saturday night, Christmas night, you've had a day full of food, beverages, games, opening presents. Sit back on the couch and watch the Packers demolish the Browns. I want to like this Browns team. I really do. I think we all do. They've almost gone from underhyped and underrated to overhyped, and we're all just sick of them at this point in time. They've just kind of been a disappointment to this point of the season, and they seem to be impacted by COVID more than almost anybody. The Packers are getting healthy at the right time. Aaron Rodgers is a solid MVP candidate, so give me the Packers in this one. The Cardinals and Colts, a shockingly interesting game on Saturday night. The Cardinals don't seem to be as special as we once thought they were. And look at the Colts coming. As long as Jonathan Taylor is doing his thing, the Colts are going to be in there. They are much more of a playoff threat than I had them pegged at the beginning of the season or even two months into the season. So congratulations to the Colts. They're turning things in the right way. I think they will take down the Cardinals. And the Cardinals are dangerously falling from what people thought were going to be the top team in the NFC to I think they're in that wild card picture now. And just a quick sprint here through the Saturday games. I think Buffalo takes down New England. I know they're kind of trending in different directions. I will be the last person to go down with this Buffalo ship at this point. I think everybody else seems to have left. I'll be there for them. Cincinnati, going to surprise the Ravens. I don't like where the Ravens are at right now and seem seem to be getting worse before it gets better. Lions, Falcons, eh. Jags, Jets, eh. Chargers are going to whip the Texans. Rams and Vikings, Two very intriguing teams who I can't quite get a finger on. Maybe staring me in the face with the Rams. I really like that team, and then they disappoint me. Same goes for the Vikings, but somehow the Vikings are in the playoffs right now at 7-7, which may say more about the NFC than it does anything else. you got the Giants and the Eagles, Tampa Bay and Carolina, Chicago, Seattle, and two teams that are desperate for any kind of forward momentum. Denver and Las Vegas, both teams still somehow in the playoff hunt. I feel much better about Denver than I do Las Vegas. That 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 big swath of teams, kind of that eight to si- eight and six and seven and seven range in both conferences, especially in the AFC, you notice a lot more of those teams. I think the Broncos could be in very good position if they take down the Raiders in this one. And then I think it's all it's about Sunday night. You've got those two great games on sa- two great games on Saturday. You've got the two I think Buffalo, New England, Baltimore, Cincinnati, and then kind of a meh day after that. But the Chiefs and Steelers, the Chiefs, I was I was down on them, and they may be proving me wrong. I think they look like the most dangerous team in the AFC right now. If you, I don't know who you would put up against them. Buffalo, Buffalo, the Chargers, and the Colts. I like all of them, but I don't know if they can put it together enough to hang with the Chiefs. Cincinnati, same situation. All these young quarterbacks that you're relying on. The only team that I think would challenge Kansas City is New England because of the defense and the Belichick effect. But if you're telling me I need Mac Jones to take on the Chiefs' defense and out-gunsling Patrick Mahomes, it's not going to happen. That Chiefs' offensive line is really gelling and getting much better. So the Chiefs the Chiefs are looking dangerous, but it's a primetime game. Or, uh, late afternoon primetime game. 
And you've got the Steelers playing, playing for their playoff life. They're seven, six, and one. They can get in there. Big Ben still has hope. TJ Watt's probably going to be the defensive player of the year and set all kinds of sack records. Do not sleep on the Steelers in this one. But all in all, your your best football is on Christmas night and first thing Sunday morning on some Boxing Day games. Something else I wanted to look at with the NFL, we did have the Pro Bowl rosters come out, and I think we get too obsessed with a handful of players in the NFL and don't respect the entire league as a whole, which is why I like to see certain names that we may not always hear. Oh, you know, The offensive linemen are always going to be on that list. But look at some of the guys looking at the AFC roster. I want to tip a cap to some of these guys. Trey Hendrickson exploded onto the scene last year, and good to see he was not a one-hit wonder. He made it again this year as a member of the Bengals. Maxix Crosby for the Raiders, a phenomenal player for them. Uh, Cameron Hayward, Matt Judon, J.C. Jackson, uh, Kevin Byard. I love Kevin Byard. Nobody ever talks about him. He plays for the Titans. He's just a interception machine, one of the best ball hawks in the league. Nobody ever talks about him. Denzel Perryman, Darius Leonard, a lot of these guys, yeah, we know about Bosa and Watts and Derwin James. Some of these guys get a lot of cred, and obviously the offensive guys, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Jonathan Taylor, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. We hear about a lot of those guys all the time, but especially on the offense and the offensive line and the defense, we don't hear about these guys. So I'd love to see some new names get Pro Bowl recognition and hopefully small pro recognition for some of these guys. Same thing over in the NFC side of things. Cooper Cup, he's kind of become the darling of the NFL here in the last couple of weeks. But he and Debo Samuel, two guys you don't hear a lot about. Brian Burns, Cameron Jordan on the defensive line. Fantastic years. Jonathan Allen, Kenny Clark. All in all, I think the Pro Bowl teams look very, very good this year. Usually I have a lot more complaints about the snub. I'll get to them there in a second. But I really like the Pro Bowl rosters this year. Who knows how many of these guys will actually play in the game once... We get into the playoffs and guys will miss for the Super Bowl. But all in all, solid rosters. Surprised that the Colts had the most. I think when you add in special teamers, the Colts led the way with seven, which you don't think about for a team that is currently fifth in their own conference. The biggest snub is Matthew Stafford. He is one of the three MVP candidates right now. It is Matt Stafford, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers. Yes, we all love Cooper Cup and we love Jonathan Taylor. The voters just need to get it out of their head that it can only go to quarterbacks. But if it's a quarterback-only award, it's Brady, Rodgers, and Stafford. You're going to tell me there are six quarterbacks better than Matt Stafford and three in his own conference? No. Yes, Brady and Rodgers are two of them, but I would absolutely put Stafford in over Kyler Murray. If this were the first half of the season, Kyler Murray deserves to be in there. But after his injury, he's not been quite as dynamic, and Matt Stafford has just chugged along, put up the best season of his career. So he should absolutely be on this list. Austin Eckler, another one, a little bit up and down with injuries this year, but you look at dual threats. Alvin Kamara made the list. I think Austin Eckler should be in there. James Conner made it. Yes, he's leading in rushing touchdowns, but he just seems to be more of a goal line back as opposed to a... He doesn't doesn't have the yards and carries and the work that guys like Nick Chubb and Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara do. So I think Austin Eckler should be on there. Hunter Renfro is another name that I want to throw out there. You may not notice it, but the Raiders throw the ball a bunch, and he is the main receiver for them now, as much as we may think of he's just a small, shifty little slot receiver and return guy. I don't know who I would take off because I really have no complaints with any of the receivers, especially in the AFC. Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, and Keenan Allen, those guys all deserve it. I don't know who I'm taking off to put Renfro on. I just want to give Renfro a tip of the cap. Uh, some of the Guys on the defensive side, Jordan Brooks and Devondre Campbell, linebackers for the NFC, I think should be on there. Again, who do you take off? That's the hard part. And there's a cornerback for the Lions, who I'm going to be honest, I did not know about until I looked up for this bit. 
Amani Aruwarie. I definitely butchered that name, but he's a cornerback for the Lions. I believe he's in the top five in the NFL in interceptions, right up there with the other elite defensive backs and tackles as well. So I don't know what more you want out of the guy. That man alone cannot fix the issues of the Detroit Lions. But I think he definitely deserves to be be on one of these Pro Bowl rosters. Maybe he makes it as a replacement down the road. Perhaps to those guys, congratulations to everybody for making the Pro Bowl list. We're all about celebration accomplishments on this show. And we're going to celebrate a little bit of the NHL here, looking at just kind of a quick overview of the standings and stats, some of the leading stars that we've had so far in the season. Starting in the Eastern Conference, wouldn't you know who's on top? My beloved Tampa Bay Lightning, the two-time defending champions. They've they've been good to me the last two years, I'll just say that much on the betting front, but I love the Lightning. I love everything they do. They just seem to always reload, find new guys every time, you know, I'm from the Martin San Louis fan days. And they don't really have anybody necessarily at the tip top of the mountain when it comes to stats and scoring, but they have a lot of guys contributing. Steven Stamkos continues to be the guy there. Victor Hedman having a great year for Tampa Bay. They just they do it in so many different ways. So many guys contribute. I love, love, love the Lightning. Not surprised to see them up there on the tippy top of the East. The Carolina Hurricanes, I know people were telling me, believe in the Hurricanes. I just, I can never do it. It can be staring me in the face, and I just refuse to ever believe they're actually that good. But props to the Hurricanes for getting in there. And also, shocker, shocker, shocker. The Capitals right back in at 7-2-1 in their last 10 games. 28-2 overall in the year. And second in scoring in the NHL is your Alexander Ovechkin, the ageless wonder. I need to do more research on where we're at in all-time goals, but... He seems to have every Gretzky record in his sight. And Ovechkin, no matter how many years, he's got to be 15, 16 years into his career. Never seems to slow down. He has the Capitals right there in contention again. The Maple Leafs there at four. So you have the Maple Leafs and Rangers, two teams that little little up and down for me. I can't, can't really trust them, but they're two teams that everybody says are always going to be there. The Panthers there right now with the one, two, three, four, five. Panthers in the sixth spot which they've lost three in a row. They're 4-5-1 and one in the last 10. So a little bit of trepidation. Before that, people were talking about Florida as the best team in the NHL. And, and with Florida, you're going to get offense. I believe the they may be the number one scoring offense in the East right now. So they're going to get the offense. But we got so used to them being a defensive team, and now they are struggling to stop the opposition. So they need to get that right if they're going to hang here in the East. And then the Pittsburgh Penguins, as I'm recording this, a seven-game winning streak. It's, you have those teams, the Capitals, the Bruins, the Penguins, when they're down like that, you're kind of just wondering when they're going to flip the switch and get hot. It never feels true that they're really that bad. 17-8-5 right now, and only seem to be getting better. It's the Penguins. They're going to be fine. They're going to be in the playoff hunt. I don't think they are championship contenders. I'm, I'm kind of between the Lightning and the Capitals for the East right now, but the Penguins are going to be there to make some noise. And then can it be true? Are the Detroit Red Wings finally back? Maybe kind of a little bit back. Just above 500. They're in the eighth spot right now with a slight advantage over the Boston Bruins at the moment. It'd be great for hockey. It'd be great for fans for the Red Wings to be back. They've been so bad for so long. They, they may finally be able to do it, and we would all love to have them back in contention. And looking at the bottom, these are the teams on the outside looking in. You've got a Columbus team that can score at will, one of the best scoring offenses in the East, but pretty good at giving up goals as well as they're at scoring them. I, If somebody had to jump in here, I think it would be Boston. I could see Boston jumping Detroit. Columbus, Philly, the Devils, I think, are a disappointment. The Sabres, 
the Islanders really seem to have fallen off a cliff. The Senators and then the Canadians as well. I think the Islanders and the Canadians, you have to wonder what's wrong there. Ottawa, Buffalo, we're kind of used to them being on the outside looking in in this era of hockey. But New Jersey losing six in a row as I'm recording this. They were in the hunt there. They're flirting with that top 10 status. Now they're plummeting way out of contention. Weird as it seems to say, it's that Southeast. It's Tampa, Carolina, and Washington. But I think it's Lightning and Capitals will be there when, when the ice settles this spring. And heading out to the West, which I would argue is probably the more fun of the two conferences. And it is all about the Minnesota Wild, which those of us who lived around the Minnesota Wild, you've heard these stories before. It is very, very tough to trust. You, you Can it be real? Are we, are we actually buying into the Wild? They spend all this money. They bring in these stars. Minnesota is this great hockey state. And then it's just kind of eh. But if you're Minnesota... They are scoring at well the second highest scoring team in the NHL right now, 298 total points, uh, 112 goals for, 92 against. So good, good differential there. That 20 is kind of middle of the pack for the West. But Minnesota 19-9 and two, and that was before they lost four straights. So you have to remember how far the team was ahead. Do you buy into how they how good they were early or the four straight losses? Let's see where the Wild are. But those of us who've watched a lot of wild hockey know that it's kind of just a matter of time before your dreams get shattered. So it's it's hard to get too excited. The Vegas Golden Knights, as weird as it feels to say, they've just kind of become the class of the West. They're always going to be in contention. They're always going to be there. The Anaheim Ducks, we used to feel that way about until they had about five to six years of terribleness. And they're right back in there as the number three seed right now. I would love to see the Ducks do this and keep this going. Nashville and St. Louis right there in the middle of the pack. To, I, you expect it. Predators, Blues, they're going to be there. The Flames... A good good little story out of them to have them in contention. I know there was a lot of hype around them, but was it actually going to come to fruition? And then the two teams that may have the best players in the NHL, but goes to show that it takes a lot more than the star talent. Colorado and Edmonton in that 7-8 spot right now. You've got Nathan McKinnon and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, all these stars of the NHL just trying to get their teams over the hump and into playoff contention. I feel like the West is very much a wide-open race. You've still got... I can never count San Jose out there on the outside looking in. Dallas seems to go in and out of the playoffs every week. And then the Winnipeg Jets are going to put up points. So you've you've got plenty of options here. It's I think you could see plenty of these teams going in and out. I love the Predators. It's hard for me to, you know, one of these years I think they're going to get over the hump. They're in the four spot right now. It's a long season. We've still got about 50 games left if we get them all in. So give me the Predators to... Kind of sneakily come out of the West. I know there's not a lot of a lot of excitement around them right now, and I could see half these teams changing. I very much believe that Dallas and San Jose can play their way into the playoffs. I would not be shocked if Winnipeg does the same. So plenty of volatility there in the West. And how about the Kraken? They are not in last place, which as an expansion team, uh, good for them. Good for the Seattle Kraken. Uh, and talking about some of the individual players, I feel like I get into more of a I already have it a little bit. I feel like I get more into a Canadian accent when I talk about hockey. But we talked about some of these guys. I want to give a tip of the cap to some of our fans who may not know hockey all that well. Here's some of the names to know. I say his name different every time I say it, but Leon Dreisaitl for the Oilers, one of the best players in the league, leading the way in goals right now. Alexander Ovechkin, the, the big name in the game. Austin Matthews, another guy, center for the Toronto Maple Leafs, another up-and-coming guy who's, I don't know if he's, where you, where you draw the line from up and coming to establish, but he's there. Connor McDavid, another guy with the Oilers, which is, it's so fascinating. You have two of the, imagine this, the NBA, you have two of the five best players and you're like the 15th best team. 
you're not going to have LeBron and Giannis and not dominate everybody. So there's a comparison for people. Uh, Chris, uh, sorry, Chris, just combined Chris Kreider and Kyle Connor. So two other guys, two great scorers in this game. Kyle Connor, kind of a revelation for the Jets this year. If they're going to have a chance, he's going to be the difference maker. Troy Terry, we talked about the Ducks on the upswing. He's one of the big ones for them. Uh, Dylan uh, Dylan Larkin for the Red Wings. If the Red Wings are going to be the guy who uh, the team who makes it, Dylan Larkin's going to be the guy who is the difference maker for them. So that's going to be our quick buzz around the National Hockey League. I am a peripheral hockey fan. I will openly admit it. I like watching the games and follow them, follow along, but I am not an X's and O's hockey fan. So one of these days, I'll actually stumble across a hockey fan in my life and get them on here to give us the real in-depth breakdown of each of these teams and go a little bit more in-depth than I'm able to. But that's going to be our show this week. Going to keep it short and sweet. As we mentioned, we'll get into getting a little bit more basketball now that NBA is picking up steam. College basketball, college wrestling, bowl games, NFL, some UFC picks, dare I say some NASCAR coming up as we get into January and February. We'll have it all for you on the Sports Gospel. That's what we're here for. Positive, diverse sports takes where we don't focus on the headlines. We want to bring you something different than you're going to hear on your daily drive, Sports Talk Radio. Thank you all for joining us. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We're thankful that you've been on a ride with us for the past year, and we're just just getting things started. We're growing and expanding. Look for us on all your podcast platforms or sportsgospel.com. Thank you all for joining us, and enjoy the holiday season.